Welcome to Here for Her Health, where we are building a better, healthier every day for women. Brought to you by Organon. Welcome back to Here for Her Health, a podcast series sponsored by Organon with the goal of creating a better and healthier every day for every woman. I'm your host, Wendy Lund, and today I'm very excited to be speaking with Dr. Neil Shaw, who was named one of the 40 smartest people in healthcare by Becker's Hospital Review. Dr. Shaw has spent the past decade at Harvard Medical School practicing as a leading OBGYN and also serving as assistant professor of OBGYN and reproductive biology. Today, Dr. Shaw is the chief medical officer of Maven, the largest virtual clinic for women's and family health. He'll talk more about the future of women's health care and building more inclusive care delivery systems. It's such an honor to have you here on our podcast today, and you're not only an accomplished OBGYN, but also a fierce advocate for women and families. So please briefly tell our listeners about your background and definitely also about Maven. Thank you, Wendy. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. The intro question is always the hardest, I think, but I guess where I'll start is um, the dad of a three-year-old and a five-year-old. I'm married to a woman who's a great mom and also like a bona fide rocket scientist. And I point that out because like, as you said, I'm an obstetrician, right? And she's a rocket scientist. And I actually delivered probably a few thousand babies before I had to take one home about five years ago. And everything about that process was deeply humbling for both of us. We thought we were like high performing in our careers and that we could handle it. And, you know, I'm a clinician, I'm an OB, but everything from seeing my wife through pregnancy, childbirth, I did not deliver our baby. She was very clear that that was not my job. And then that, you know, especially early phase of parenting is a big part of how I think about my job now. So right now I'm the chief medical officer of Maven Clinic. We're the biggest provider, virtual provider of women and family health in the world. And yeah, just really excited to talk to you today. Can you tell a little bit more about your background and also about Maven itself and how it all works? Yeah, sure. So for most of the last decade and a half, I've been a provider in the brick and mortar system, as we call it on the digital side. And I took care of people in the office. In fact, I still do every Wednesday afternoon, mostly so that I can make sure that what we're trying to build at Maven makes sense for the people that I'm eyeball to eyeball with. And you can only do so much in a 15 minute visit and then people leave. And I wonder like, what could I do if I lived in their pocket as we sort of do at Maven? So, and I was also a professor at Harvard Medical School. So I was teaching the next generation of students And I was doing research into the state of maternal health in the United States, which is not great. Trying to understand some of the outrageous facts that you had in your last podcast, like why things are the way that they are. And then about seven months ago, I delivered my last baby. I gave all my grants away and I jumped into digital health. And I will tell you, as a surgeon, I had been deeply skeptical of digital health for most of my career because you can't do a C-section or an egg retrieval through a screen. So I was like, what is this, you know? And what started to change for me actually is that the CEO of Maven Clinic, Kate Ryder, is a person I've been talking to on and off over the years. As a professor, you kind of get to pontificate. People call you and you tell them what you think. And every time Kate said she was going to do something, she did. And really ended up building a business where we're serving health plans, we're serving large employers, we're serving consumers directly. And with this capability where 24-7 within 30 minutes, you can access a provider. And the opportunity for me in coming in was, how do we now deploy this capability to reach more people 
and to do it in a way that makes them healthier in ways that we can prove. So that's my job. That seemed like the greatest job ever. So I had to take it. That sounds like an amazing, amazing opportunity. And and you reference the outrageous statistics that we've been talking about over the course of the podcast, but also in general at Organon. And I'm really excited about this next question because those outrageous statistics are really related to your sweet spot, right? Family planning, preterm labor, maternal mortality, and so many other areas. And I'm just really curious as somebody that's delivered so many babies and who's been out there and teaching and practicing, tell us a little bit more about the inequities you've seen and how you and Maven are working to bridge these gaps. Sure. The work that we do, Organon, Maven Clinic, probably a lot of the people that are listening, it really sits at the intersection of multiple types of inequity, gender inequity, racial inequity, geographic inequity, because in the United States, your zip code ends up determining what you have access to, and what I call generational inequity. If you take a big step back, there are some people who are sort of part of the Make America Great Again. There's some people that are part of the Build Back Better but both are trying to tap into this idea that generationally hope and opportunity seem to be eroding in our country. And there are some leading indicators of that. Life expectancy is actually declining for the first time. Another leading indicator is that an American today, a person living in the United States is 50% more likely to die in childbirth than her own mother was. And that really kind of flies in the face of everything that we've come to believe about how you're supposed to, for every generation, you're supposed to leave things at least as well as you found it, if not better. And it's shocking. And the only way to understand the fact that maternal mortality is not just going up as a blip, but has been continuously getting worse over the last 25 years is through the lens of inequity, which is really the story of America, right? It's, you know, maternal health is a bellwether for societal health. If society is unwell, moms are unwell. So you see every form of injustice show up, whether it's racism, misogyny, or the rest of it. But if you're Black in America, you are three to four times more likely to die in childbirth irrespective of your education or income. It's incredible. And we've also, just to kind of pivot a little bit on that, we've seen over the last year and year and a half around COVID specifically, an exponential growth in virtual health platforms. And I think you alluded to this when you were first thinking about this, but can you talk a little bit more about those who might be skeptical about virtual care and share some examples about how this model is going to shape the next generation of healthcare? Yeah, for sure. At Maven Clinic, and I think more broadly, digital health shouldn't be looked at as like a poor substitute for what should be happening in person. In-person doctors are really important. That's why I still take care of people in person, especially around like the sort of family building, family planning phase of life. At the same time, you think about it, people carry these devices in their pockets Evidently, they spend like seven or eight hours of screen time looking at them. And I mean, look, like an app is not going to fix healthcare, let alone structural racism. But that's not what we're trying to build. What we're trying to do is take the devices in people's pockets and turn it into a portal, into a human service. And fundamentally, the promise there is to make it so that a zip code isn't destiny. So you're not dependent on what's physically proximate to you. And even things that may be physically proximate, you have to access them in a scheduled way, necessarily in the physical world. But what's really great about the economies of scale that you get from digital health is that if you're struggling to breastfeed very concretely, you need help at 3 a.m., right? Like not like two weeks later. And that can make all the difference between getting a latch and not. If you have gestational diabetes, you don't need a surgeon like me necessarily. You don't even need a physician. You need a dietitian. 
who can look through your phone at your refrigerator and help you plan a meal. And that could be the difference between good blood sugar control and bad blood sugar control and a 34-week delivery with months in the NICU and making it all the way to full term. So that's part of what helped me work through my skepticism and actually the opposite, get really, really excited about what we can do uniquely in digital health. Yeah. I mean, what I love about that is that your model has caught up to the way most people live and work today, right? So a great example is my daughter who's in law school had to come home last night because she had to go see her doctor and he would only see her Friday today at 2.50. And like, we pretty much begged them for all these different times and it's because of her law school and wanting to make sure she doesn't miss classes or the work she has to do. And I mean, you're speaking right to that because in the model you're talking about, she would have much more access to that healthcare. 100%. Or like your daughter's example is a, a pretty accessible one that I'm sure a lot of people can kind of resonate with. I also think about like the postpartum mom, the mom who just had a baby. Mm-hmm. Out, only 50% of people show up to their postpartum visit. And the reason is you're getting like POW level sleep deprivation. You're like six weeks after having a baby. All you get is a 15 minute visit. Like you have to put your baby into a car seat and like, it's like, I feel like everyone should get a medal for just showing up. You know, we know that 15 minutes is inadequate because one third of maternal mortality and morbidity happens in that period, right? People are really, really struggling with not just the sleep deprivation. Often they've got to figure out how to return to work while taking care of an infant. It's really, really hard. And they're not able to access care and support, let alone if you're one of the people in my practice that, you know, if you live in Dorchester, you might have to take three city buses to get into my clinic. Yeah. I mean, let's stick with that for a second and talk about, continue to talk about these inequities so that in April, we recognized Black Maternal Health Week during National Minority Health Month. There was an important call to action to address staggering disparities in maternal health outcomes, which you have been talking about for this entire podcast. And, you know, as a physician who clearly has been dealing with this quite often, and now in your role at Maven, what is your approach to ensuring your care is culturally sensitive and reflects the diverse needs of patients from different backgrounds? Yeah. So right now, the good news is that there's a lot of focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion across the board. And often, especially for like our employer clients, it's through that lens that they're looking for a solution like Maven. So it's a good starting place. Also, what we don't want to do is like just check the box, right? This is something where there are deep underlying structural issues that are literally life and death for people. And so we need a structural solution, a systemic solution, and an interpersonal one. So one of the things that I think about a lot is all the providers roll up to me. And so I have a choice about who we recruit as providers. And 40% of Maven providers right now identify as people of, of color. And I think that's really important because when you're taking care of somebody, your technical expertise is important, but your lived experience is equally important when you're trying to relate with somebody, build trust, and honestly, just take good care of them. So we try to think structurally within our network of how we can make sure that we just have people that have shared, lived, and embodied experiences. If you speak Spanish in 2022 with a digital solution, we should be able to speak Spanish. That's really, really important. In my brick and mortar clinic, it takes like an hour to go get a translator. So that's part of it. Part of it is making sure that we have programs that are able to take care of people's social needs and medical conditions. And then part of it also is just making sure that everybody that's part of our care team is trained in providing culturally humble care, that they're aware of implicit biases, all of that. 
Yeah, it's just so impressive. And outside of your leadership as a physician and an executive at Maven, I mean, you have such an incredible, impressive track record as an advocate to advance women's health. And we just want to hear a little bit more about the organizations you founded, March for Moms and Costs of Care, and the impact they have had for women in communities. Sure. Just to be totally clear, like, I'm a man. That's probably obvious. I don't have a uterus. And I never thought I was going to be an OBGYN. I ended up doing OBGYN as my first rotation in medical school. And the idea was to get it over with because it was the thing that I was clearly never going to do as a man in my mid-20s. And then I saw like what people with a uterus go through and have been following that curiosity ever since because I literally had no idea. And I think that actually most of my residency class were all people who cared deeply about reproductive justice and thought about it like in college. That wasn't me. I was always sort of the odd person out. But I think that, and maybe, you know, I was raised by a good mom. That probably helps too. But that curiosity and empathy has really been the through line, right? And that at some point came to a realization that in every other sphere of public policy, you can push a button and get advocates to show up. If there's a meeting on breast cancer, you like push a button and there's like a thousand pink ribbons. But from maternal health, nothing like that existed. Moms are expected to put their own well-being last to put their families first. And so you see like moms against drunk driving, moms against guns, but there was no like moms for moms. So um, about five years ago, we started an organization called March for Moms. And the idea was to provide a platform for moms and families to really share their lived experiences in ways that are connected to public policy. And it's one of like, despite all the depressing statistics that I shared, part of what's really encouraging is that we have real, real momentum on this issue. You mentioned Black Maternal Health Week. Last year, it was platformed by the White House. The vice president was one of the sponsors. And you know we're moving a lot of legislation through that I think is going to make a big difference. Yeah, it's really incredible what you've done and, and just the commitment you have. And I love what you were talking about in terms of being a male advocate for women and having that empathy and understanding of what women go through over the course of your years as a practicing physician. So thank you. Thank you. I think, you know, there's a lot of male allies out there that want to hear exactly the kind of things you're doing. I've seen just such an incredible spirit and passion within our men at Organon and how they support all the women and really want to be there for them and really empathize and really want to take action. And I, I just love that. So thank you for bringing that up. So you mentioned your mom, and I have to say, as me being a mom, you know, I'm constantly thinking about what healthcare is going to look like for our children and for future generations. And I'm just curious, you know, a decade from now, what are your hopes and vision for our healthcare system? Obviously, you're working for a transformational company in many ways. And, you know, how might our healthcare system better adapt to meet the real needs of women and families now and in the future? I love that question because... I wouldn't have come to Maven Clinic unless I thought we were building a durable solution and not just within our business and products, but to really push the whole industry to do better and be better from the positioning that we have. I think Organon is very similarly positioned. What I think is inevitable is that in places that are not just like San Francisco, right? Like in Little Rock, Arkansas, it'll be normative to use your phone for healthcare. We're not there today. There was the era that you and I remember where you would go to a blockbuster and rent a DVD or a VHS, you know, and then there was like a brief moment where Netflix would mail you the DVD. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Before we went to streaming. And like, the thing is like, we're not in the streaming era yet, 
We will be in 10 years, but we're not in the blockbuster era either. Like Netflix is mailing you the DVD. That's kind of how digital health and telehealth kind of works in our lives right now. You're sort of caught between two worlds is what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. We need to move to that other world. Yeah. 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 I think it'll be digital first for primary care, for behavioral health. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt, like the, the cat's out of the bag. And so within that, I just want to make sure that women's health and family health doesn't get lost. And that we realize that, you know, Maven doesn't aspire to be a condition-based company. Women's health isn't a condition, right? Right. We're really trying to develop expertise in what people go through during key phases of life along the reproductive journey. Exactly. And I could never have said it better than that, which is that we can't think of women that way, that it's not about fighting disease. It's about keeping her well, right? And, and how can we do that? And it's a little bit of a paradigm shift in terms of the way we think about women and their health. That's why digital health is, quote, disruptive, right? I think disruption is sort of overused as a term sometimes, but like end of the day, the way that the current healthcare system works is it treats women as a uterus right? to the extent that after you have the baby, you're almost like discarded, <laughs> honestly. And the opportunity that we have is to actually just organize our care model differently so that we care about your mental health and we care about your pelvic pain and we care about the fact that you're struggling to breastfeed and we can provide the services that you need to be well. Right. And I can't tell you how many times I've said too, like we have to not treat women like they're just uteruses because there's so much more to our health than just that. So totally with you there. So I have one last question for you, Dr. Shaw, and it's about Maven and where can listeners find more information about Maven and how can they follow you? Sure. Yeah. So Maven Clinic, we're a digital health company. And so we're online. You can go to our website and that's a good place to start. You can definitely ask your health plan or your employer about Maven. We work with many of them to make sure that you have access to our services. And we're on social media, and so am I. I spend time out in the world doing podcasts and other things like that. And so that's a great way to, to follow our work. Great. Well, thank you. That was great. I'm really looking forward to meeting you. Thanks again to Dr. Shaw for being with us today. Thanks as well to all of you for listening. Please remember to leave a review if you're enjoying the show. I'm Wendy Lund, and thank you all for listening to Here for Her Health, building a better and healthier every day for every woman. 